What's up, all you sexy podcast listeners? What's up? Thank you for joining us and happy Valentine's Day if you are listening on Valentine's Day. <laughs> That's why I called you sexy podcast listeners. Because our episode today is extra sexy. Is that why? It's extra sexy and it's <laughs> Valentine's Day. If you're listening to this on February 14th, which a good majority of you will be. If you're not, hopefully you had a sexy Valentine's Day. But uh, yeah, if any day you're going to feel sexy, it's, it's today, right? Hopefully. Yes. Hopefully your partner's making you feel sexy. Extra chocolate and wine and... Yeah. Beautiful. That sound, <laughs> you got some chocolate and wine for me? Is that what you're saying? Always. Well, today's topic is how to have amazing sex, particularly in a long-term relationship, which it's easy to do when you're in the honeymoon phase the first year. But after that, things get a little bit more difficult. And we have Dr. Steven Snyder on, and he's a sex and couples therapist, psychiatrist, and writer in New York City. And he has an extensive background in sex therapy and, and as a... Um, as a certified therapist for over 25 years. So he really knows his stuff and has some really great tools to help us keep our sex life alive and well. And some things were kind of out of the ordinary. We've definitely talked about sex a lot on this show, but some of these things I haven't heard. We haven't heard these recommendations before. No, I think it's great. He really gives us three kind of main uh, areas to focus on when you want to improve your sex life for years to come, and so you're, you'll have to stay tuned. We're not gonna we're not gonna tell you what those what those are because you have to listen. Yeah, for you got to listen to the show. You know, we can't <laughs> but, just give it all away. Yeah, this but, is the foreplay, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> but they're I mean they're really good. I mean they're definitely things that we're going to be able to implement in our relationship, and like Chase said, some that we've never heard before. So. I think they're like uh, lazy sex. That's lazy one. Lazy sex. That is one term we find out oh, what lazy sex is. Simmering. Simmering is nice. Yes. Simmering. We can tell them simmering. I really like that. That was like simmering is, is not having sex, but just having like a intimate moment. He described it as like in between class in high school, you have your sweetheart, right? And so you have what, like a minute and a half, two minutes, you're going to see them, you're going to talk, you're going to, you know, stroke their hair, whatever. But like, maybe there's, there's a bit of sexual tension there. And then you got to go to class. Well, you can create that in your relationship that you do that periodically. Right. And just to give you some context on that, the reason why he introduces simmering is because nowadays many couples are only having sex one time a week. So only having sex one time a week can really not be enough for a lot of relationships. So having those you know, simmering sessions throughout the week, he recommends once a day doing, you know, a little simmering session uh, can really add to the value of your relationship to your intimacy uh, if you're only able to have sex once a week. Yeah. So listen for that details on that and a lot of other really great tips. And as we said, we hope you are having a wonderful Valentine's Day if you are listening to this on February 14th. And we really appreciate you guys. This is uh, every day you should be 
giving your partner and yourself lots of love. But uh, we have a, I guess, Hallmark probably orchestrated <laughs> February 14th so they can sell some more cards. But but every day should be Valentine's Day. But today in particular, you are probably feeling that. So try to just carry that on to next week and the week after. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy today's show. Dr. Snyder, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. Excited to be here. We've given our listeners a little bit of information on your background. Why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Okay. You know, those of us in the uh, sex and relationship field, we have a difficult t- time understanding why anyone would do anything else for a living. Um, you know, you get to make people happy. It tends to be one of the kind of warmer and happier parts of the mental health field. And uh, I, I think I like it especially because when people come for counseling about a sex and relationship problem, they're often acutely miserable. And there's something about having a sexual problem, which hopefully we'll talk sometime psychologically uh, during this uh, during this podcast, that makes people feel acutely miserable about themselves. So one of my favorite things is to see somebody leave my office with a little more sense of hope than they came in with, and uh, that's a really that's a really nice thing. I'm a uh, MD. And uh, I'm one of those people who went to medical school not exactly sure what he wanted to do with his MD, became a psychiatrist, and that wasn't a perfect fit either. And then someone said there's something called sex and relationship therapy, and I thought, oh, my, I am so there. That's what I want to do. So and the rest is that was 30 years ago, and now it's pretty much all I do. It's a great thing. Uh, it, just a little bit of feedback we get. We just interview people like yourselves, but but just providing that service and the feedback, people saying how the information has helped them. It is such a gratifying thing for us to hear that, cause, and it's helping our relationship too. But so I imagine when you're working with couples to have that one-on-one direct interaction and then have have that help them, like you said, it's got to be hugely uh, gratifying. And not just couples, sometimes individuals too. I would say in Manhattan where I work, it's roughly half and half, couples and individuals. Often it's very hard for two people to get to the same office at the same time in Manhattan. So I I see both. And uh, a lot of the times you kind of gauge quietly as to whether the spouse who's not in the room seems to be helping or hindering. And as long as they're helping, sometimes it works just fine to see somebody alone. Well, wherever our listeners are are coming from individually or if they're listening together, today's topic is is going to help a lot of people. And we're going to zero in and talk about how we can have ridiculously great sex in a long-lasting <laughs> relationship. That sounds good to me. So, so what are some of the key components to a good sex life in a relationship? And then particularly in one that is uh, long, I get whatever we would consider long-lasting. A committed, committed committed. long-term relationship. But one would say a relationship where you've been together, um, uh, you know, a a year or two at least, uh, so that you're not just always having sex. Uh, when couples first get together, they're having sex, one, because it's new and, you know, you just haven't seen each other naked that many times and it's still kind of novel. And also because you really, really need the reassurance. 
you really need the reassurance that, yes, we've still got it going on, and you want to hold each other and have sex a lot. It just makes you feel a little less anxious. Um, after, like, one or two years, you don't quite have that anxiety thing going the same way. So uh, frequency of sex tends to diminish. So I'm interested in helping those couples, those couples who are in the the past the honeymoon phase, um, where in that phase, desire tends to kind of wax and wane. And in that phase, desire tends to kind of not to be at the top of your to-do list because by then you tend to have other responsibilities. You know, you're back to work, you're engaged in career, you're managing a household, you may or may not have a kid or two. And at that point, things can get very tricky. And it's important when that happens to really, really know what you're doing. So I'm eager to give advice to your podcast listeners on how to really, really know what you're doing. Well, let's hear it. What's the, what's the okay. first tip that Good. you'd recommend? So the main thing is to be aware of when you're aroused and what that feels like. Too many couples gauge arousal based on whether the man is hard and the woman is wet. Unfortunately, you can't tell too much about that because like if arousal on a scale of like zero to 100, probably only tends, takes about 20 or so for a man to get hard or for a woman to be wet. And as most people know, you can have everything functioning well, but it's not doing anything special for you. It's not really taking you someplace special emotionally. For that to happen, you have to be a little more aroused. What I tell patients in the office, you have to have lost some IQ points. You have to be what we call kind of dumb and happy, where you really don't care if the phone rings, you don't care who it is, you don't know what time it is, and at the peak, you know, you don't even know your name. You're just kind of uh, just kind of absorbed, and one might say regressed to where you don't really care about anything. You're kind of you know you're you're really into your partner, but you don't want to hear all about their day. You're, you're kind of impatient, a little bit selfish, and a little bit impulsive, and that's really a sign that you're really aroused. So the first thing that a couple needs to know is when they have sex, they should make it good sex. And good sex is when you're really aroused together. You could be hard and wet, but if you're not really aroused, it's not going to mount for much. Second thing is that uh, you shouldn't fall into the trap of just trying to get a climax. That's, I would say, the number one stumbling block that couples get into. They figure out how to get climax when they're with each other. And if they're like most people, they're busy, they're tired, they just want to go to bed, get him hard, her wet, and get a climax. As I say in my book, that's a little bit like going out to dinner and just immediately seeing the dessert tray. You kind of miss the whole appetizers in the main course, and you can end up chronically hungry that way. So... What I tell couples is, is there's a, a high road and a low road to climax. The low road is where you just kind of get the right friction in the right place and you get a climax. The high road is where you're really enjoying the appetizers and then you're enjoying the main course. And then, oh, my God, when you're almost full, wow, we get to have dessert too? This is great. That's really the high road to orgasm. And that's a much better way to keep an erotic connection going. So get aroused together. Really make sure you're aroused. Don't just make it a matter of going for orgasm, but really enjoy the appetizers in the main course. And now the third thing. You ready? Yes. The third <laughs> thing is don't only get aroused when you're going to have sex. You know, on a national average these days, the frequency per year that the average couple has sex is about once a week. 
that's not really enough to keep a vibrant erotic relationship going. Especially in Manhattan, most Manhattan couples are working such long hours, I'm sure it's similar in other parts of the country, that they don't really have sex much during the week, especially after they have kids. And so most of them do it just on the weekends. But that's a long gap between Sunday and, and Friday night. In sex therapy, what we do is we recommend that couples learn to simmer. And simmering is just taking a minute or two for no reason at all just to get excited together. What do I mean? I mean like two teenagers between classes. You have two minutes between the class, hold each other at the locker of one of you, inhale each other's scent, feel each other's bodies, breathe together, feel excited, then the bell rings, and you go. So that's a simmer. A simmer is not a cuddle. Cuddle is when you hang out and you're just physically in contact, but there's no sexual energy being exchanged. A simmer, there's some sexual energy being exchanged, and ideally it makes you just a little buzzed. And you go to whatever you're doing next just a little, a little dumb and happy. That's really, really good. That's the way it should go. So it should be several simmers for every time you make love. There should be several simmers in between. I usually advise couples to simmer every day. Instead of kissing each other uh, goodnight at the end, of the end of the evening, simmer each other goodnight in a couple of minutes. Okay, you feel a tiny bit frustrated. That's okay. Uh, it kind of keeps you in the game. And instead of uh, kissing each other goodbye in the morning, simmer each other goodbye. That way you kind of raise the erotic climate in the house. Those would be, those would be, try this at home um, today. Um, This is, uh, uh, these would be my main, main advice if I had to boil it down to the essentials of uh, what are the most important things for a couple to do if they want to maintain an erotic connection for a long, long time. These are great main points, and I want to dig a little bit more into them. And and let's start with the first one. You talked about making sure you're both aroused, you're both in that dumb and happy, uh, like, like really aroused. That sounds great on paper, but when you have a two-year-old and, mm-hmm. and you're working you have at a home, two-year-old? yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I kind of figured, yes. Or maybe you just have a, a busy life, but certainly if you have kids, I find, I think we find, it it's hard to just find that that time. So how... How can we can we schedule a a time, but then it, it just doesn't seem as natural? And what if Sarah's not in the mood, or what if I'm not in the mood? So how do we navigate that? So glad you asked about that. Um, well, let me talk about a lot of things that you just said. Is that okay? Can I cut you off, yes, or were you done? Please, please, all you. Okay, um, you mentioned about how do you make sure you're both aroused. Now that's really important right off the bat because there's no way to make sure that you're both aroused. Instead, everybody's responsible for their own arousal. So, how does one take responsibility for your own arousal? A lot of couples don't know that. They think they're responsible for arousing their partner, and that's a major misconception. That leads to a lot of uh, bad sex, frankly, because the person who's receiving this effort to arouse them may experience it as a demand for them to get aroused. You never want to 
put the sexual mind in the position of having these kinds of things demanded of them. It just tends to rebel. So instead, everybody should take responsibility for their own arousal. What I recommend to couples in my office is something, is actually a technique that I more or less devised myself for this kind of situation, which I call the two-step. And it doesn't take that long, but it's a different approach. It's an alternative to the sex date. The problem with the sex date, as you absolutely hit the nail on the head, is that you've scheduled your sex date for after the baby goes to sleep at 9.30 on Thursday, and 9.30 on Thursday come, and neither of you are really in the mood. Do you have sex anyway? Um, if you do, if you don't, you miss your opportunity. If you do, there's a possibility you might have bad sex because you're not really that into it. So what I like to to tell couples is the two-step, first step one is to go to bed together, take off as much of your clothes as you feel comfortable with, and just do nothing together. Just hang out. Breathe. Let your thoughts come and go. You could talk a little bit, but don't get into any deep conversations and just become aware of your body. Most of us aren't aware of our body on a day-to-day basis or a moment-to-moment basis, but to become aware of your body in the moment, to become aware of the moment. Most of us aren't aware of the moments. They're there all the time. We don't notice them. It's a bit of a mindfulness technique, and it doesn't usually take that long. Maybe a couple of minutes until you say, okay, I've turned the corner. Yeah, I'm here. I can feel, I can feel my feet. I can feel uh, the points of contact between my body and the mattress. I can feel the temperature of my body. I can see outside the window. I'm, I'm, I, I'm where I am. Now, step two, I turn to my partner, and assuming I've chosen well and it's somebody who more or less turns me on, chances are I'll be receptive to feeling turned on, and I uh, will enjoy whatever about my partner turns me on. So it's essentially... A sex date that begins when you're already in bed together. You wait until you're really completely within your bodies and you really feel relaxed and comfortable. And then at that point, you allow yourself to get turned on. It's a much better way than just starting to make out and get into bed and figuring you have to go through the whole Masters and Johnson sex response cycle together just because it's Thursday at 930. Yeah, that's a good point. And then you almost feel obligated if you if you put it on the schedule and that can take Yeah, out. I mean, you know, sex therapists have been preaching sex dates forever and I don't think they really work. But I think two-step dates are a great idea and I recommend them to everybody. It seems like a much more genuine approach and and, and Absolutely. I love the mindfulness. And the sexual sexual mind is a very genuine place. Uh it uh it it's very uh, honest and if it's not feeling it, it'll tell you. And maybe you can just end up simmering and, and it works for, for both you guys. Absolutely. And like I said, in terms of simmering, you don't have to have sex every time you feel a little aroused. Sometimes you can just enjoy feeling aroused. Sometimes if you just cultivate that feeling, then you're like a teenager um, who doesn't have a lot of privacy. Um, the next night might be very passionate because you've charged up the system a little bit. What would you tell someone that's in a relationship, and this is, I'm sure, very common, and they're mis- mismatched uh, desires for frequency oh, of sex? Yeah. Um, 
what I usually tell such couples is that, you know, you have a lot of options. Um, I don't know how graphic would be okay to get on this program, so, so let me speak in abs- not absolutely graphic terms here, but uh, there's something that in my practice we call lazy sex. Actually, a patient of mine named that. And lazy sex is when, let's say, uh, uh, Harry is in bed with Sally, and they're married, and he's really hungering for her body. And she's been taking care of the two-year-old all day long, and it's the last thing in the world she wants to do. So if she has sex with him, it's going to be not a great experience for her. She may feel a little resentful, and it's just not going to be good. The best solution for the two of them is often for them to have lazy sex. Here's what it amounts to. Harry lies on his back, and just as he would if he were by himself, he gives himself a climax using his own hand, and Sally uh, cuddles up next to him, kisses his hair, strokes his chest, um, and uh, maybe says nice things to him, and uh, then he has a climax and they can both go to bed. Couples who try this find that it's really just about 80% of sex. The only thing that's different is the stimulation is not coming from the other partner's body. But, you know, there's no rule that once you get married, you're no longer allowed to touch your own sex organs. And as a matter of fact, that often works out very well, as, as most women know who need to stroke themselves to orgasm even during intercourse. So um, that's a really nice uh, solution. He got an orgasm, which is what he wanted, and he felt close to her and accepted by her, and he got some contact with her, and he felt her body, and she didn't have to exert much energy, and she didn't have to get up to pee afterwards, and uh, everybody's fine. So that's lazy sex. That's a technique I recommend a lot to couples. I think that is a great alternative, especially for couples where one person would like to have sex more often than the other. Well, the alternative for most couples, if there are mismatched desire where the man wants sex more than the woman, the alternative is for the man to go into the bathroom and masturbate, which is kind of lonely. It's cold in there. You know, why not do it uh, in bed uh, where your wife is there, your wife's turning you on, you don't have to watch porn on your smartphone or whatever, and it's just a warm, wholesome experience for a couple. So you got to watch it as a you got to watch it as a sex therapist who you recommend this to. There's some couples who are very very haven't been together that long, and uh, and you recommend this, and they go they look at you like you really got three heads. Um, <laughs> and then there are other couples uh, they go oh yeah yeah we do that all the time. They just didn't have a word for it. Yeah 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 no it's a good one. And and what would you say something that that sometimes happens. To me, if I'm in the mood and, and Sarah's not, is I feel shut down, and and that like, and I think a big part of that is that I express uh, love through through touch. I receive love yeah. through touch, and 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 I like to give love through touch, and whether that's sex or or just you know an arm on a, on the back or a hug, so. When Sarah's not in the mood, sometimes I feel really shut down. Um, and then, so besides having lazy sex, how can I sort of process that? Or, and then how can we do that together? Okay. So let me talk to you about this 
And then we want to talk about the really, really hard question, which you've, you've spared me so far as to what to do with when it's the woman who has more desire. But let's stick with the conventional situation, when it's the man who in the given moment has more desire. Um, what is Sarah's love language, if it's okay if I ask? Is it uh, uh, frank communication? Is it gifts? What, it, what is it? It's uh, kind of a combo between gifts and words of affirmation. Okay. Um, what... I usually advise couples to do, just as with everything else in a marriage, is to say, okay, let's get creative here. What, uh, what does each of us need? And if one needs words of affirmation and the other needs uh, to express themselves physically through touch, um, I could imagine a couple uh, working that out. Uh, did you ever see the mo- the movie Bull Durham? Or is that before your time? It, I know no. of it. I have not seen it. Yeah, I know it's, it's a worth, it's seeing. It's cute. Uh, it's Susan Sarandon. Um, she's a uh, lives in a small minor league baseball town, and she sleeps with the ball players. And she says, you know, guys will do anything if they think it's foreplay. So, um, you know, either gifts or words of affirmation, as long as they're sincere. Uh, and most guys, if they're uh, feeling physically aroused by a woman, their words of affirmation are going to be quite sincere because uh, she definitely has their full attention. Um, but for most women, it's important that those words of affirmation not feel just like they're going to be foreplay. So uh, sometimes a couple will quite consciously say, you know, I really want to be physical with you, but I know you're not in the mood. What do you say we just sit and talk for a while? Um, and then, you know, you can decide, you know, maybe uh, if, if it could just be lazy sex, I'd appreciate that. Um, if we could have sex, that'd be great, but I'm not going to pressure you for it. How are we doing so far with that? Does that seem like that yeah. might be helpful or do we have yeah. to think further? No, that, that, that's definitely helpful. I think personally, it, what that means is I just got to try a little harder. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, like... It, Sarah's gonna, ah, okay. You know. Well, but that, that, that's, that's good in a couple. Uh, one of the things I talk about in my book is that um, male, you've got to be really careful of generalizations, obviously, between men and women, because there are a lot of people who are gender benders, and, and you know, uh, gender is a complex thing. But as it's usually constructed in our society, female sexuality or female sexual attractiveness doesn't usually require the woman to do much. She just kind of looks hot. Um, and her husband would be attracted to her. Um, male sexuality, usually male attractiveness usually requires the man to do something. Uh, few women are attracted to just a man just lying around in a state of pleasure. So the idea that you have to do something, that actually goes very deep in the human species, and it's, it's, true, in a lot of, it's true in a lot of animals as well. The man really does have to do something. Um, is that something that would uh, give you trouble, the fact that you have to do something that way? No, no, and it, it makes perfect sense, and it, it is so interesting how, the, how men and women are different. Like you said, not in every circumstance, but certainly in a lot in that guys just walk around and, and there's a, your wife or if, if it's your girlfriend or if you're single yeah. and it's just like, wow, she's beautiful. Like, 
Exactly. I, I could imagine being with her. Where and, the woman <laughs> wants to know, can he hold a conversation? Yeah. Does he have a job? Yeah. And uh, uh, is he thoughtful? Is he uh, reasonably confident, but, you know, not domineering? Uh, is he gentle, but not wimpy? Um, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of things that have to go into a woman being attracted. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, to the to the guys listening that want to have sex more, it's being attentive to to your your partner's needs and or their love language and and doing the work before you want to have sex, not like giving Absolutely. words of affirmations Absolutely. and then 5 minutes later expecting like for her to be in the mood. Right. It's like an ongoing process. But it's a little comp- more complicated than that. You don't want to be too attentive. Yeah. <laughs> because a man who's too attentive seems needy. Yeah, yeah. So with, with women, it's usually a question of balance. This is something I talk a lot about in the book. Um, you know, that sense of balance is a little tricky. And so uh, a woman's erotic compass can swing back and forth sometimes, depending on whether the balance is found or not. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. So many therapists recommend mindfulness as a way to have a better connection and more passionate and loving relationship with your partner. And one of the ways to achieve this is through yoga and meditation. Yoga Glow is a yoga and meditation website that you can use anywhere. You can practice in your own space on your own time for just $18 a month. That's less than a single class at most yoga studios. They have thousands of classes at all levels taught by some of the best teachers in the world. Yoga is more than just touching your toes and stretching. Yoga brings balance. It's empowering. It offers a peaceful state of mind and it helps eliminate stress you carry with you throughout your day. I need to do it more. I know (laughs) I get caught up and I usually do it every morning, but Yoga Glow, I've done it the last couple mornings and it's really helped me stay on a schedule. Not to mention research shows how mindfulness significantly benefits our relationships. Get your first two weeks of Yoga Glow free when you sign up on yogaglow.com slash I do. That's yogaglo.com slash I do for two weeks free yogaglow.com slash I do. Today's show is also brought to you by the book Lovelands. Lovelands, which is written by a past guest on our show in psychologist Dr. Deborah Campbell, is an easy to read guide to creating the relationship in life you most deeply desire. If you've ever wondered why you keep struggling with love and want to make lasting change for the better, Lovelands will show you how to make that change, not just in your relationship, but in every area of your life. I'm deep in the middle of the book right now, and it's eye-opening. Deborah's wisdom from her own love mistakes, as well as her client struggles, has helped me examine myself and has allowed me to become even more aware of the reasons I get defensive or have poor communication or continue unhelpful patterns. Deborah really just tackles what's at the core of diverse relationship problems and simply tells us what helps and what doesn't. Lovelands is available in hardcover on Amazon and audible.com. Visit idopodcast.com forward slash Lovelands to buy your copy today. That's idopodcast.com forward slash Lovelands. Can you talk a little bit about the 
women having more desire than their um, than their male partner? Yeah, that is the problem of the 21st century. Um, you know, in the 20th century, guys would bring their wives and girlfriends for help. You know, you got to fix her. She's frigid, we used to say, or something like that. These days, in my office, it's usually the woman bringing her male partner for help because he's, quote, gone missing in bed. And this is a huge, huge problem. And uh, I don't think anybody's got the final say on it. I think I've probably seen more people with this problem than, any, than anybody I know of um, because very often a woman will bring her partner to me because I'm a guy, so she figures maybe I speak fluent guy and I can talk to him and see what's going on. And very often what's happened is that uh, he's getting too many of his orgasms outside of the relationship. Uh, you know, women vary, but for guys, masturbation is really their, 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 where they start from. That's where they discover about sexuality. That's like their home territory. And most guys will maintain a, you know, a foot on their home territory. And these days, since pornography is so omnipresent... And frankly, for most people I talk to, uh, so well-produced, as opposed to the other day, old days when it was grainy and hard to have good lighting, um, these days most guys say, you yeah, know, it's fantastic, and I can get it anywhere, and I can see a whole harem of women every night. So what ends up happening is that the guy tends to associate orgasm with his partner being asleep. She wakes up. That means it's time to put away the porn. Over the months and months that that goes on, that creates kind of a negative Pavlov conditioning to where her presence in bed becomes a sexual negative. And then you got a bit of a problem. So I usually tell guys, you know, just bring your orgasms to bed with your wife. It's going to be okay. You can have sex. You can have lazy sex, whatever you need. But um, you really got to bring them to bed with her. Is that making sense so far? Yeah. yeah, and it's surprising okay. well, you know, that it's such a thing. I do want to say, though, because out of every, almost every email that we've gotten about this specific situation about an imbalance of, of sex has always been from the female writing us saying that her, that they felt that her husband or her boyfriend um, had less desire for them, or are they cheating on them, or that, you know, just yeah. all these concerns. Are they gay, or, you know, yes, all this stuff. Yes. Yeah. So it's a, it's, 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 I think it, it is the sexual problem of the 21st century, is men going missing in bed. And I won't say men losing desire, because very often the man has desire, but it's just not working in the relationship. And I'll tell you something else that happens, uh, which is a real killer for couples. Most women really, really need to be desired. It's kind of like oxygen. I mean, I'm making a general, generalization, but most women, if they're not feeling desired by their partner, they're very, very, very unhappy. They feel something is terribly wrong. They're not getting something essential. I have to say it's like oxygen. And um, it's such a thing that even, even a woman, say, like yourself, who her husband may tend to be a little bit more interested in sex, that can feel in the moment like a bit of a negotiation and perhaps a bit of a dilemma, but still it's a nice thing to know that he's always interested. 
for most women, it's like having good water pressure in the shower. You know, you may not feel like showering on that particular day, but at least you know there's good water pressure and you can always shower if you're able to. What happens uh, when a man doesn't initiate sex is a woman has this, she registers this feeling there's something deeply, deeply wrong in this relationship. Maybe he's gay, maybe he's seeing somebody else. Very often what it is, is that she's so unhappy about the fact that he's not initiating sex and he sees her unhappy with him. And for most guys, that's very, very threatening when your partner seems unhappy with you. So he'll naturally, if he's like most guys, tend to avoid her because he doesn't want to deal with that. And the paradox is that she's only unhappy about it with him because he never touches her and never gives her that kind of attention. But he withdraws, and the more he withdraws, the more he avoids her, the angrier she gets until eventually she's just really, really bitter and lonely and feeling unloved and extremely unhappy. And at that point, he doesn't want to be near her because he's sure she's going to take his head off. And I, I call that in my book a sex knot, where each person's reactions just makes the things worse. It's like pulling a knot tighter and tighter. Very often for, for that sex knot, you need to come in and get a little counseling. It can't hurt. And it, it is fascinating, the prevalence of porn, the the ease of access it's on it's on everyone's smartphone and and how that that is what you're seeing on the ground as as a real problem because i i know that sometimes it is easier just to watch porn and masturbate than than try to do the hard work of you know, like that's the reality, and that's probably what a lot of these guys are doing. I'm not saying all, and then, but the extreme version, you know, it's one thing if that happens once every two weeks, once a month, but yeah. if that's like, like you said, like replacing, just completely replacing the sexual interaction, uh, which seems to be happening, it, it is a problem in, in, yeah, and, and pornography is just so prevalent. And then this could be a whole other podcast, but t- looking to the future with with sex dolls and like oh, that are Lord, like yes, yes, basically yes. real human, and they're talking to you with with uh, computer software and, and and the whole deal. I mean, this is stuff that is being developed, and and uh, you know we can look forward to I do podcasts in two hundred years, and we'll be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yep, sign me up. We'll, we'll, we'll else, you know, they'll just be talking about some craziness. But let me talk to you about let me talk to you about this because there are some practical things that your listeners out there. I, there are some practical things that a man can do. Um, in, when I was writing my book, I took some time, and in one of my chapters, chapter ten in my book, I put together a portrait of kind of the ideal man who's doing everything right. Now, not every, no man is the ideal man, but this guy kind of got the memo of everything he's supposed to be doing. And he has a wife, he has, he has a couple, in, in, this, in my book is all about stories. In the story, his story, he has a wife who they had a really good sex life until they had one kid, at which point her sex drive really took a hit. And then they had a second kid, and her sex drive really just went non-existent which is a, a scenario that most sex therapists see a lot in the office. It's a second kid. Once you have uh, two kids to manage and you're exhausted, then the woman's sex drive often really, really takes a hit. So what he does is he's fully present with her, and she knows that he's attracted to her, 
and he's enjoying his attraction to her. He's enjoying being in bed with her. He's enjoying feeling aroused when he's in bed with her. And it doesn't mean he has to get anything else. He can just enjoy all those things. And so she's absolutely under no pressure. She can feel free to have sex with him if she wants to. And if not, he's going to just appreciate the fact that he's got her sexy body in bed. Now, not all men kind of have that memo. But if a guy really gets that, it can be a huge advantage to just be present as a desiring person and not absolutely demand sex or an orgasm every night. How do you have that conversation to kind of set those boundaries or expectations from your partner when you're doing that? Well, it's really, really important. I'm glad you asked. When you sit down with a couple, and I do this in Chapter 10 of the book, the first thing the woman needs to understand is that every time he gets hard doesn't mean he has to have sex. A lot of women think, uh-oh, if I wear that lingerie and he gets excited, that means I have to have sex with him. Not true. A man, for a man being hard and feeling excited, that's not a painful state of mind. We, we actually kind of like that. So she's doing him a favor. She's, her presence is getting him excited. That's fine. He can do whatever he wants. You know, he could just enjoy feeling excited. If he wants to, he can have some lazy sex. Um, you know, if he's not comfortable with it, he could go in the bathroom afterwards. But he had a moment of real authentic, honest arousal in her presence. And she didn't necessarily have to do anything she didn't want to do. A lot of women feel that if they got a man hard, they're responsible for ending it, like giving him an orgasm. It's just not true. It's not their responsibility. So that's the main thing I like to tell women in the office. An erection is not a painful state for a guy. Just because you got a guy erect does not mean you have to finish it. It's not a job. I think presence is the key operative word here. And just being present and, and taking it back to pornography and, and technology, like sucking away from our relationships and in our sex lives, it's so hard to be present when when we have our phone and, and we're scrolling through the news or sure. social media. However, you have, a big, you have a big advantage. The big advantage is if your partner arouses you, there's something about real, honest-to-God arousal where you get dumb and, dumb and happy and you lose IQ points and you kind of lose track of time and you have this feeling of, yeah, this is really what I like. This is where I live. That makes you present. Yep. So arousal puts you into the present moment. So that's something just to be savored and enjoyed. You can always have an orgasm. Uh, you know, most people don't have that much trouble these days having orgasms. But to be really aroused, that's something precious. You should just enjoy it. Yeah, you got to put the damn phone away first. Which, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but it sounds yeah. like for the two of you, you, we don't have that much trouble when you're no, in bed with no, no. Uh, with with Sarah uh, feeling present. No, yeah. you're you're there. Yeah. No, I'm just saying how easily... That means, like, that means you chose well. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But sometimes I know I'm guilty of it just during the day, not even related to, to sex, but just getting sucked in to, to not being present and just staring at my phone mindlessly that that, that can easily translate to in the evening and then, and then it is hurting your sex life. Well, I'm really glad you asked about that. Can I speak a little bit about this? Yeah. Um, the issue with phones is that they're engineered to narcissistically gratify us. The, uh, you know, because we do this podcast on a landline, I had to 
press the buttons on my old landline mechanical phone, and I'm just not used to pressing a button that had resistance and stuff. It always feels a little weird. I go on my smart, smartphone, and it's just my the heat and the touch of my fingers. It just does it, and it's just automatic, and it's immediately responsive, and it's engineered to be pretty and beautiful, and it lights up, and it's happy to see me, and then I go on social media, and somebody liked me or followed me or you know did any of those other actions or winked at me or something on social media, and what it does is it gives you this, this dose of, of narcissistic admiration, and it makes you feel like you're the most important person in the world. Well, that's the kind of feeling that people used to get from sex. That's one of the reasons that couples these days aren't having sex quite as much. We think the inflection point occurred when social media came on. Once that came on, people are getting that kind of narcissistic supply, that sense of you're the most important person in the world and you're really important. They're getting that from their public. In the old days, you had to be famous for that to happen uh, in order for it to really wreck your marriage. Like there's Hollywood marriages, you know, which are famous for these people get very distracted because they're getting all their narcissistic supplies from the public. What you really want is to be getting the bulk of your narcissistic supplies from each other. So when you have sex, this feeling of, okay, it's just the two of us. At this moment, I'm the most important person in the world to you, and you're the most important person in the world to me. And for most of us, that's deeply, deeply gratifying. And the, the feelings of sex and the motions of sex are designed to just uh, soothe and comfort and reward and make you feel like the whole universe just exists for your pleasure. That's a very, very attractive thing. And for most people, um, uh, several decades ago, sex was the only way they could get that experience. Now we have lots and lots of other ways uh, that we can get that experience. And so a lot of people uh, lose some of the, uh, the motivation, frankly, to have sex. Well, Dr. Snyder, that, that's uh, it's a really great thought to, to leave us with and as we wrap up here because... It, I was it, hoping to leave you with a happier thought. No, no. Oh, to me, it is <laughs> The happier thought would be make sure you're getting most of your narcissistic supplies from your partner and not from social media. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, cause that's the way I look at it. I go, wow. If you look at it positively, it's like, yeah, I want to feel like the most important person in the world. And, and it does feel great when you have that connection with your partner. And, and yeah. that's a much, that is not much more real. It is the realest form of that. The stuff coming from our phone is, it's digital. It, it is not, uh, it's not a real thing, but it's acting on those same evolutionary mechanisms. Absolutely. So it feels that way. And that's why it's so important that you brought this up and that we recognize that. And, and going forward, it's only going to become more and more prevalent. So we have the genuine power right now in our relationships to, to, to feel like the most important person in the world and, and, and to feel good physically, emotionally. And, and that is a really positive thing and, and something that, uh, that, uh, I, I'm going to look at it that way. And, and I think our listeners will too. Well, it, uh, I'm, I'm really glad because, you know, that's, that's what sex is supposed to do. People get this mistake. They think it's supposed to just give you pleasure. Nah, nah. It's supposed to make you feel like the most important person in the world. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, Let's have you tell our listeners uh, where they can find you online, where they can find your your book, Love Worth Making, and uh, then we'll wrap up. Okay. Well, the book is called Love Worth Making. 
How to Have Ridiculously Great Sex in a Long-Lasting Relationship. It's from St. Martin's Press, and it launches on February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. As you may know, all books launch on Tuesday, and Valentine's Day is on Wednesday, so we missed it by one day. And it's uh, uh, mostly stories. There's not much else in it except stories of people that I see, obviously composites. And it's designed to help people learn the basic principles of what they need in order to uh, feel like the most important person in bed for years and years and years. Um, It can be ordered from any bookseller. And if you want the list of uh, booksellers you can contact online, there's a list on my website on the page loveworthmaking.com. So that's what anybody really needs to know is loveworthmaking.com. That'll take you right there. Great. Well, all those links will be on uh, our show notes page at ID Podcast. And this is this interview is pre-recorded, but the day that it's going to be launched is actually on uh, Valentine's Day. So that means your book will be launched tomorrow for everybody who's listening. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. And uh, we thank welcome you. you back on. And. Uh, and was... invite me back in a couple of years and we'll talk about robots and stuff. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Thanks, Dr. Snyder. Take care. You take care. Bye-bye. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find the links from today's show on our website at idopodcast.com. And while you're on the website, we encourage that you check out some of the free resources that we've created for you guys. One of those is the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge. And we send you a email every day for 14 days with doable challenges to help strengthen and make your relationship even better. And we've also created cheat sheets and workbooks for your relationship. And you can find all of those on our website. And lastly, our Facebook group, which is the Love Tribe. We encourage all of you guys to join our group there as well. And if you ever have any topic suggestions or ideas for the podcast, please send them our way. You can email us at info at idopodcast.com and we would love to hear from you guys. And we hope you enjoyed today's show.